I take offense to that. I don't think he's a good-looking guy. And I think that I look like Nicolas Cage if Nicolas Cage had the same disease as Michael Jackson with his skin just becoming very, very pale. Isn't that, did Michael Jackson have a disease? That had pale skin? That's what they claimed. Okay. Are you a Michael Jackson fan? No. Okay. Well, this is not about Michael Jackson. This is about the book of Ephesians. How many of you have Facebook? Facebook, does anybody still follow Facebook? Some people still do. Somebody's got a MySpace I heard back there, which is incredible. Oh, man, we could, oh, the joke's about MySpace. Never mind, we'll stay on topic here. I was, I'm always being invited to groups, like just weird groups on Facebook. Uh, some of the weird ones that show up, here's one. Uh, friends don't let friends wear Crocs. That's a group that I'm invited to. I tried to, send that, I tried to send that to Chris Francisco so he would join it because he likes Crocs, and so I don't want him to wear that. But I get invited to groups like that. How about this one, uh, <laughs> a group? Dear Pringles, I cannot fit my hand inside your tube of deliciousness. <laughs> people create groups, and they just invite people to join these crazy groups. But I was looking up one, and there was actually like a case of fraud based on this one group. It was a group, I can't remember the name, but it was inviting people to come and to get prayer through that group, and they would charge people like $7, $10 for prayers, and those prayers would then guarantee them the outcome of that prayer. They ended up earning like millions and millions of dollars. And then finally somebody said, hey, what you're praying for is not being answered. And they did a little investigation. The pastors that were praying for them were not real people. Um, and it's just an amazing thing that somebody would use something like prayer and just defraud people in that sense. But why would somebody fall for that? That's the question I want to ask, Okay. If you know anything about the Bible, why would you think and assume that prayer attached to money is ever going to get you what you want? And I think the reason why anything like that would ever succeed in America today is because we have no idea what prayer is. We just have no idea what prayer is used for. We think it is need-based to get what we want when the Bible states it in a much different fashion. And I think in the book of Ephesians, just to wrap this up, it would, take, it would do very well for us to go there and look and find out why we pray. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. If we knew what prayer was for, anytime anybody said, hey, give me money and I will pray for you, we would know right away that's not what prayer is designed for, not to get my needs and wants done here on earth, but to get God's will done here on earth because that's what we should be praying for. We want to do that. So look at me, look with me at Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. We'll get a little context. Let's just go in uh, verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flames of the devil and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to boldly proclaim the gospel mystery, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, if we think about this, there's something very incredible that Paul is saying, praying at all times in the Spirit. But what does that phrase mean? It could open up Pandora's box if we don't really understand what it means to pray in the Spirit. And I think we can first of all say that Paul's doing something here in verse 18 
to kind of distinguish what prayer is. All the things that he was listing beforehand, if you noticed, he would take a weapon and attach it to some aspect of the Christian life. Helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. All of these different things, he would, he would unite it to some sort of military item. But then we get to prayer and there's no item attached to it. It's, it's kind of separated, distinguished from itself, and yet it's still connected to the list. So what does this mean? Well, there's a group of people, if you do some reading on this, that would say they're just trying to say prayer is another weapon in your arsenal as a Christian. But I would stand with the group that says this, that the, the command given from the beginning of this section, which is to stand strong in the Lord, is accomplished by this very thing, praying at all times in the Spirit. So let's get it down, number one, this way. Let's stand strong by praying. Everything that's been said here about putting on the armor of God, employing all of these tactics as we stand firm against this, the schemes of the devil, as we fight in God's army, we do this, we accomplish this by praying at all times in the Spirit. Now that is a huge task in and of itself. It sounds similar to Paul when he's saying pray without ceasing at that point in time, correct? Correct. So if you think about that, this is a huge task, but it should challenge us to say, well, hey, if I'm supposed to pray at all times in the Spirit, I better make sure I know what that means, because it's going to be very important for us. If you just write down Jude, verse 20, there is only one chapter in Jude, so you just need to write down verse 20, says almost the same thing, praying at all times in the Holy Spirit, Jude 20. So there's these two sections of Scripture that talk about this, and in both sections, it's really talking about how this is going to help you endure, persevere, stand strong in the Christian faith when you pray in the Spirit. So when you look at the language of the Bible and you see that phrase, praying at all times in the Spirit, I think it's helpful to think of this. When it says in the Spirit, it means this. It means in the realm of and by the means of the Spirit. Okay, in the realm of and by the means of the Spirit. That's what the, just the original language would commend to us. But maybe just a word picture to help you see this. Uh, I was on Facebook recently, uh, ignoring those groups that were sending me invites to join them. And I saw this amazing video, maybe you've seen it, about this glove that you can put on. And it's attached to a computer and a speaker. And if you do sign language, it will, it will verbalize the sign language that you sign. So you can communicate with somebody. If I don't know sign language and someone speaks through sign language, they can put on the glove and they can sign and it will speak to the other person, which is just an amazing item if you think about it. But now watch this. If there was a hindrance between me who cannot uh, understand sign language and somebody who only speaks sign language, they need to put their hand in the realm of the glove and by means of the glove use that to communicate to me to break down the barrier. That's what the Spirit is for us when we pray to God. He is that thing that we put our hand into, and by the means by which we communicate to somebody, that we are hindered from communicating without that item. That's what the Spirit is for us. Because if you remember, without the Spirit of God, we are separated from God Himself. Turn with me to Ephesians 2. Look at this. Ephesians 2, 18. Ephesians 2.18 says this, for through him, this is through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So we see that in the realm of the spirit, when we receive the spirit of God, we now have access to God the Father. So without the spirit, we are without the means necessary to communicate to God. Or if you think about Romans 8.15, just write that one down, Romans 8.15 
uh, which says, uh, you did not receive the spirit of fear, uh, spirit of slavery leading you back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You see, we have access to the Father because of the Spirit that's been granted to us. And without that Spirit, we are not able to pray to the Father so that He hears us. Because isn't that how Jesus taught us to pray? You're supposed to call Him Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So without that connection, that adoption, that, that, given, uh, that Spirit givenness to you, you are not connected to the Father. You don't have the means or the realm to communicate to God. It's got to be in the sphere of and by the means of the Holy Spirit. So I define it this way. If you just want to write it down, <clears throat> if you were going to pray in the Spirit, it's this. Dependently seeking guidance from the Holy Spirit to pray God's will. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. Dependently seeking guidance from the Holy Spirit to pray God's will. That's exactly what we do when we pray. The reason why that Facebook group works at the beginning is because people think prayer is about getting their wants. And that's not what prayer is for. Prayer in the Bible is always attached to the will of God. And if we want to pray effective prayers, we will start to get to know God's will more and more. And where we're going to find it is where the Spirit has inspired God's will in the pages of Scripture. So if I want to pray in the Spirit, I'm going to be dependently seeking guidance from the Holy Spirit to pray God's will. And this is what I need to continually be doing over and over again. One of the references to this, just turn to Romans 8. I want you to see this one, Romans 8. In Romans chapter 8, we find out a little bit more about the Spirit's role in our prayer lives. We learned earlier we have access to God. We cry out to God because of the Spirit given to us in Romans 8.15. But notice what it says in Romans 8.26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for us, for the saints, according to the will of God. That's an incredible statement right there. So we know that if we have the Spirit of God, what the Spirit is always intent on doing as he intercedes for us, prays on our behalf to God, is taking our request to God so that the will of God is always done. And as the child of God, nothing could be more comforting to us than knowing our Father's will is done. This is what helps you during times of unanswered prayer requests. You will pray for something and you will think, this is, this is what I want. But if you're going to be like Jesus and say, not my will, but yours be done, you allow the Spirit then to take that request, that desire, and say, God, I leave it in your hands. I don't want what I want. I want, I want what you want. And when you begin to pray those types of prayer, you begin to become like Christ. And it's very interesting in Romans 8, that's exactly where the text goes. And we know that for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, um, all things work together for good. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of of his son. So that's what it means for us as Christians to grow into the likeness of Christ. It's going to happen when we start to pray the will of God and not our wills. So we got to make sure that if we're going to pray in the Spirit, it's by the means of following the Spirit-inspired revelation of God. So let's get it down number two this way. If we're going to stand strong by praying, we always want to pray with an open Bible. We want to pray with an open 
Bible. And I think that this will help you. We used something similar to this during last summer, I believe, when we were talking about this. But it's really helped my prayer life. And it was something, I was thinking about this as I was, you know, what the last thing I'm going to say to a group like this. The thing that my dad taught me the most was that if I pray, and I pray with the Bible, I'm going to grow in my Christian walk. Because I'm going to be thinking thoughts after God. So I'm here to tell you that the most important thing I could say for your marriage, for your job, for your ministry, is that you would take the Bible and you would pray the Bible. Because when you pray the Bible, you begin to pray the things that God has already promised to do. And if you do that, you're going to do what the great men of faith have done throughout their entire life. Write down 2 Samuel 7. Okay? 2 Samuel 7, we just read this recently in the DBR. 2 Samuel 7 is God's promise to David. And God is just there telling David, this is my will, what I'm going to do for you, and how I'm going to carry out your line, and one day the Messiah is going to come from your line. And in 2 Samuel 7, verse 25, this is what David said in his prayer to God. He said, And now, O Lord, confirm forever the word that you have spoken and do as you have spoken. That is David's prayer to God. Take those words that you just said to me, God, your revelation, and I want you to do those words, God, because I know that you know best. And I know that that promise that you've just given me is what needs to happen. So because of that, God, that's what I want to happen. When you start praying with an open Bible, you're going to start praying the will of God. Write down Daniel chapter 9 and then turn there. I want you to see the same thing again. This is what it means to pray in the Spirit. You're guided by God's revelation and his promises because we're reading our Bibles. Daniel chapter 9. Which next week, if you come back, we're going to look at some of the great prayers in the Bible over there in the auditorium as we're going to God in prayer for the different things that we want to pray about. Daniel chapter 9 is one of the most amazing prayers in all of the scriptures, but notice what these prayers were prompted by. Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. It says this, In the first year of Darius, the son of Azarias, a descent, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, notice this, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy and fasting with sackcloth and ashes." And then you go on and you, you read the great prayer in Daniel chapter 9 that Daniel's pouring his heart out, God, please forgive the people. Please restore them to their land. Please do good. But what was that all prompted by? The word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah. So Daniel had just spent time going over the prophecy that God gave to Jeremiah and said, even though I know you prophesied that and you're going to do that, God, that drives me to pray you would do that right now. And if you want your prayers to look more like the Bible prayers rather than getting your wants accomplished on this earth, it's going to be when you go to your Bible first, find out what God wants, and then say, God, please, please do that. So that's going to help you pray through trials a little bit differently. You find out that in the Bible, you go through trials for a reason. God is not just arbitrarily throwing hard things at you. He's doing it for a purpose. And so when I pray through this trial, I don't pray, God, I can't handle this, but I pray like Paul, you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. When I'm weak, you're strong. 
please help me through this, God. So anytime I want to pray more biblically informed, it's going to be when I'm reading the Bible first, I'm thinking about it, and then I'm going to God in prayer. That is when you will watch God answer prayers in a magnificent way. I was thinking about this the other day. How can I, how can I encapsulate that in, in just an image? And somebody was describing to me a, a pair of scissors that they own. They, this is a pair of uh, Gail Jeffcoat's scissors. And uh, she cuts chicken with these, but she was telling me about them. But she said, they come apart so easy. And I thought, okay, well, this is an interesting analogy. These two things separate, they can do some damage, right? But they're not going to cut chicken that well. It's only when I combine the two together that it becomes the effective tool. If I take my Bible reading, and I think that's separate, and I do that over here, and I take my prayer life, and I'm going to ask for things separate over here, I'm never going to really have the power to accomplish what I want to until I put the two things together. But when I put them together... I can do whatever I'm set out to do by cutting the things because now the two are focused on accomplishing one task. That's prayer and Bible reading, guys. I'm going to take them and I'm going to combine them so much so that they are going to work together to accomplish God's will on this earth so it's not my will, but it's God's will being done. And if you pray that way, now you're praying the way Jesus prayed. He said, Father, not my will, yours be done. So when we think about this, we want to pray always with an open Bible. What will that lead you to? Go back to Ephesians real quick. What will that lead you to? If you're thinking about praying these types of prayers, notice where you're going to go. You're going to pray at all times, keeping alert in the Spirit, all perseverance, making supplications for the saints, for everything. Okay, There's not anything you shouldn't pray about. You should just always pray that God's will would happen in it. And then you should pray for one another that words might be given to me to open my mouth and boldly boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You want to talk about the two most convicting sermons you'll ever hear, it will be on tithing or prayer, and then maybe a third one, evangelism, right? Think about these three things. But they are accomplished, at least the evangelism part and the prayer part, when we can combine those two things together. You want to see yourself grow in passion for spreading the gospel? Why don't you start praying for yourself more to have more zeal for it? You want to see yourself step up in the workplace and share the gospel in a bold manner? Why don't you start asking people to pray for that and watch God answer those prayers? Because that's what he wants. He doesn't want you sitting back just living a normal everyday life where you get these little promotions and you never make any impact in the community. That's not what he's interested in. What he's interested in is you going out and proclaiming the gospel that gets people saved, and you're going to do that when you start to pray for these things. That's what we should be praying for. You should look at your your group's prayer list, and we should see things like, let me speak the gospel boldly when I go talk to my family. Let me speak the gospel boldly when I'm at work. Let me speak the gospel boldly when I'm with my friends. We should be seeing that all over the place if we read the Bible correctly. But it's until we start to get the right digest of the Bible that we're going to start to make those types of prayers. Without that, we're going to separate the scissors and we're not going to have anything effective to get God's will done. So I'm here to tell you guys, the last thing that I could say to you in this ministry is if you want to see your Christian life grow, take your Bible, take your prayer time, put them together and watch God do something incredible. John 15 says this. John 15. Listen to how Jesus puts it. John 15, 7 and 8. 
says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, notice this, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The simplicity of the Christian life shows itself in a profound way when we take the word of God, we let it abide in our minds, and we take those prayer requests and say, God, please do this for your namesake. And God's saying, you ask whatever you wish that way, I'm going to give it to you. And you will see your Christian life grow as you've never seen it grow before. And my hope would be that because you're growing, your marriage would experience that benefit, that this Thrive ministry would experience that benefit, and ultimately that God would be glorified because you are bearing much fruit and proving to be his disciple. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have given us your word clearly to follow after, that you, in, in revealing it through your spirit, have given us such a, such a clear path to what is pleasing to you. And God, I pray that we would not let our wants define us, but we would let your word define what we want, and we would pray that way, Father, so that your will might be done here on earth and that your name would be glorified. Ultimately, God, that's what we care about. As Christians, that's what we should think about. And I pray that you would let the word of God transform our minds and our hearts so that each and every day we might begin the day saying, God, talk to me in your word, and may I ask the right things as I pray. And we ask this all according to your word in your son's name,